Welcome to We Only Talk Hockey. I'm Shane, and with me, as always, is Mike. Uh, we're recording tonight on Tuesday night. Uh, so just a couple hours ago, the Penguins played the Bruins and won 4-2, but the big story of the game, obviously, yeah. is the uh, Brad Marchand uh, punching uh, the Pittsburgh goalie. I don't know. Was it Jari who was in net? It was tonight? Tristan Jari. I think but it, it should. It, it, before the game, you could see the ten, there was a tension brewing with Patrice Bergeron. Got uh, had a rough collision with Sidney Crosby. There was tension brewing, but at the end of the game, with the game out of reach, I think it was four two at the time. Um, yeah, Marshan basically. Uh, he basically took a, a swing at Jari, and then he took a actual swing of the stick and. Yeah, I, I think so. It's one of those. It's one of those things. It's really, it's really frustrating. But yeah, you're, you, yeah. you're, you're. Saying. So that there's something here that I think is overlooked. Yeah, fists get thrown when there are, you know, the scuffles around the net, the things, whatever. This was very different. After the play was dead, there's no scuffling. It's not a normal scuffle. It's not even like the goalie was in the middle of a scuffle and he hit him with his hands as they're whatever. This was straight up. Play was dead. He skates up and clocks Jari, knocking Jari on his ass. And then the refs and players pull him off. And as he's being pulled off, his helmet is taken off and, and he... Under the ref's arm, he flings his stick up at Jari's face. And I, I, there's one thing to be said about hits that are dirty or blind sides or whatever that get suspensions. Yeah, it happens. It's, it is what it is, and players get suspended for it. It's a totally different scenario when something like this happens where... Uh, like, like there, there's a lot of dangerous items on the uh, first of all, you're, they're playing on ice. Hockey's played on ice. It's already dangerous enough that, as it is. Then you're adding in sticks and skates. Once you and once players start using those as like weapons, physical, yeah, and a yeah. physical play. But That's, it, it reminds me a lot of the guy who bit uh, the Kings player who bit what's his name earlier in the year. Like it's one uh, of those. Oh, Brady Kachuk. I forgot who it yeah. was though that. Bit the player. I know you're talking about Brady Kachuk. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's and even that. I think this is even worse than them because there they were in a scuffle and things happen. Obviously wrong and suspensions are warranted. But this yeah. is th- this was the game's out of hand. Uh, they're losing and he he's always been known for trying to do something a little cheaper, a little dirty to fire his team up. Yeah. That's who he is. It's whatever. But he takes it overboard often. But this move here, I, I think so. I think we all agree there's going to be a suspension. The question is, yeah, how is there's going to be a hearing? We're, we're recording before there's a hearing, uh, but there's definitely going to be a hearing. There's definitely going to be suspension. I think what this is part of this is part of what I'm thinking about for suspension, because Marchand, as a neutral fan, not I don't care if the Bruins are good or not. Watching Marchand, it's so frustrating because whether it's the licking, whether it's clipping players from behind, whether it's the whether it's the dirty plays, whether it's the cheap plays, whether it's the antics. I mean, you go back to the licking, particular like those types of things. Like whether or it's the chirping, which he had this season with the Hurricanes, where he like uh, was tweeting with the 
Hurricanes like PR or something or just going at it with them on video and stuff. It, the, the antics are one thing, but the the fact is is it's so what's so frustrating about all this is that he's a dirty he, a lot of times he'll be a dirty player and people forget how talented he Marshand is on the ice. People forget that if you took away the antics and just looked at his skill set, what he brings to his team, he's probably their second best scorer and arguably a top 10, top 20 scorer in the in the NHL. People don't care because he's a because of all these antics he does, because of the dirty plays. And now so this some this of the hit. some of the antics I don't mind because I it, I like some of it. I don't like some of it. That's not the thing. I think there's, I think there's a dirty hit. I think dirty hits are different. I don't consider that. But I think, I think a lot of players will be like, let's say, I mean, a power forward is a good example. A lot of players will have a tough hit on the, on the ice to like set the tone or they'll they'll purposely, you know, push, um, force a fight on another player to like set the tone for their team. Martian, you could say is kind of that. But what's really frustrating is that, like, all these antics, given this reputation, especially at the end of his career, which has been a pretty good career when you think about it, he's won a Stanley Cup, and early on, he's been a he's been a key part of the Bruins franchise for years. But his the way he's going to be remembered by a lot of hockey fans is this dirty guy, dirty player who also was filled filled with antics. Yeah, and, but this so- this is why. And that's why I think the league should come down. It would be best for him. I think the league came down hard on him for this. Okay. So I, before, I think that- before I get into how hard I think it's going to be, okay. um, there there's a difference in, and, and I mentioned this a little bit before. Yeah. Like I, I he does hit dirty time at times and whatever there, but there is a distinct difference in this guy pushes the bounds of what is legal when hitting. He knows he's taking somewhat of a cheap shot. And he gets penalized for it and he gets suspended for it. That's one thing. It, it, it is what it is. It's bad. It's not good for the health of the game. But this here, I think it speaks to something bigger. This especially, and we will get to this at the uh, bottom of the show um, with the new deal that they have and the how well they've been doing, especially this year and bringing in new viewership. This is a really mm. bad look for the league. Like the, there's one thing, uh, it was a bit of a cheap hit and he got hurt. The guy got suspended. People well, know how that goes. This is in just, general. This just makes it look general, like it's a back alley brawl. In general, the catch 22 for the NHL is that fighting a lot of, a lot of fans love, love genuinely love good fight. It's what they remember from a good hockey game, a good fight. Likewise, likewise, a lot of, a lot of what turns a lot of fans off is not just the fighting, but dirty plays, cheap shots and stuff like that. And this is what's, what's frustrating about this though. And I'll say this to add is this is like basically the first, the first two games back from the all-star game. Yeah. Two two first two. And this is basically a lot of fans who are just getting back into to getting excited about hockey being back. This is like basically the first thing that we have to remember. Yeah. From, and from it was a net. Let, let's also point out. Uh, oh, it wasn't. Okay. I thought it was the nationally televised game. So it's not, that's a little better, but no, still it's generally you can defend the fighting because it is very structured, even though it is fighting, like official fights are very yeah. structured in the way they are. The moment a person hits the ice, it's over. It's it's there's no one else allowed within when the fighting is happening. There are obviously the scuffles, but nothing really generally bad happens in those scu- 
scuffles around the I net. Mean, the, the issue here, yeah. yeah, the issue here, generally those things are talkable and whatever. Most people aren't going to get horribly turned off by it. They might be like, eh, it's not my favorite part of the sport. This is the kind of thing that someone who has been brought in by within this year who sees this and you're right right after the all-star break where it was a big thing it was whatever you know all the skills competitions and people coming oh there's not much on tonight let's watch him hockey and i just saw the all-star break you know and this is what you see and it's yeah. a it's a really bad look and so like you said i think they should come down hard and when i say hard i think i'm thinking it's going to be north of 20 games i would I would lean. I was thinking in. I mean, in the, I would think to like twenty five is what I was thinking. I was thinking fifteen, but the point. I think. I think coming down hard on him uh, on Marshand would be good because would be good in the sense that we need we need we need Marshand on the ice for as a hockey player. The league is better with him as a as a goal scorer with him as a contributor to his team offensively to that top line or second line or whatever it it might be because they've moved the lines around that's what we need we need we need Marchand league for we don't need him for everything else we need there, there needs to be I don't think Marchand Marchand has he I don't know he's probably been suspended a few games I've I, I don't think he's had a time. big suspension so he's not so and this, so, so account Holding holding your star players accountable for some of these things, it does matter. So and th- it, it, this would this would probably be a wake up call. I think. So here's the he, here's the thing. There's um there's a very good parallel here. Actually, I don't think it's a great parallel, but it is a parallel for people who are like, ah, suspensions don't matter. He'll just come back and do the same thing. And hockey, I can think of one. Uh, parallel and I'll get into uh, the way that the league kind of detracted from the good it had done. Um, And that is Tom Wilson, who by the way is still thought of by everyone as a very dirty player. But if you actually look, he's been spent suspended once in the last like four years. And the official arbiter agreed that it was actually it was never called a penalty on the ice and it was not a good suspension. It was done out of, uh, out of a, Oh, he's been suspended before. And he's like 20 days shy of that three year mark reputation reputation kind of thing. Um, yeah. But prior to that, his last suspension was something like 22 games. He got it cut down. It got cut down till it was, it was for a hit he made in a, in a preseason game, a uh, couple years back, I think four years back at this point, he might have been their cup year, actually. Yeah, I don't well, remember. Probably, sure. but might have been, I think it might have been the year after, but yeah, it's in that in that yeah. range so that, he, that you're thinking of. He got suspended there. There was something like 22 to 25 games. And this is why I'm choosing this number for Marchand. And what ended up happening was the ar- they had the arbitration and it got knocked mm-hmm. down. I fully expect that to happen is the initial number is going to come in high and it'll be brought down to maybe a closer to 15 of what you're saying, but you really saw Wilson did take measures to, he still plays extremely physical and people still hate him. He's, he's the example we mentioned earlier of a power forward that like plays big, but makes big hits. Sometimes we'll get into a fight to bring one in him, but he's still skilled and that's a huge thing. And he's probably the next captain of the Washington capitals. And he's, 
Um, but he's significantly in the last couple of years, he's become a big part of their penalty kill over the last couple of years, turning down those uh, penalty minutes. One thing but, is that the NHL still won't call penalties that are caused against him. So teams are allowed to go at him like whatever, but we're not getting into that. He, yeah. He turned it down. He's up to skill play more. You saw it affect his points. His points went up, obviously, because he's not missing games. And it's been much better for the team. It was much better for his career. And I think you, I know Marchand is much older in his career than Wilson was when this happened. I get it. But it's still. Well, Wilson was, I think, to, a young player at the time. Yeah. He or wasn't, at least younger. He wasn't super young, but, but he was like 20 something. The fact. And that's what's really frustrating about Marchand is that he is at the not at the end of his career, but he's been around for a while. We kind of know his reputation already, and we know this. We know a lot of a lot of this. And the fact is, he I don't I don't think he he's had that big suspension yet. He hasn't, and that's the thing. He'll never you'll he'll never be able to fix the reputation, and that's just it. Like Wilson, even though if you look at the last several years, it's whatever. But they'll never be able to fix that. Like he got booed like crazy at the All Star game, um, even yeah. though any team that had him would love him. But and the thing is, he. But the actions though are are significantly better, and that yeah. is a thing that if Marshawn worked on could be great for the Bruins if he focused more on the game and a little less on his. No, yeah, I think. He's arguably what their second most valuable player. Maybe third. I mean, maybe if you're glass half empty, you think he's the fourth most valuable because Bergeron, Bergeron, McAvoy, uh, David Posternock, Taylor Hall, maybe. But like, no. So I would say maybe if you're a glass, but if you're a glass half full guy, you would think Marchand is second. I think he's second on the team in goals. If I'm not mistaken, uh, behind Pasternak, he's, uh, he's, he's been that control. He's been that they've had that perfection line, which they just broke up, but they had that line of Bergeron, Marchand and Pasternak. And as a, as a, that, that's, what's so frustrating. And this is why it's really frustrating that he hasn't, that he still keeps up. He still does these things because he, because this is also part of the All Star break. People were talking. People were writing articles about uh, Marchand. It's like one of these guys that like nobody nobody talks about because he's really talented, but nobody nobody knows that. And the fact is, people still don't know know of as, as of him as a talented player. I think they know it. But I think they know it, but I think it's admired. I, I think there's a difference between not knowing it and people don't care at a certain point because of the antics kind of thing. Like uh, to give a parallel. Is, is he a, a lot of famer though? Like, like that's what a, I'm wondering. I think he's all, I, a lot like Aaron Rodgers. You know how? Well, that was the, That's been more recent. I don't think Rodgers has a history of. I wouldn't think that's compare compare sports, but a history of these of antics. I mean, okay, but well, but I mean, the idea, we're not the idea, football, but yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer just because of the teams he's played on, not because not because of his antics, just the fact that he's had such good teams around him. I don't think he's done enough to separate himself. So you would have to say the rest of these teams are also Hall of Famers, and I don't think you do that. I, I think it's I mean, going to be one kinda, guy. He kind of bridged the. He's kind of been one of those gap bridging player along with Bergeron, where he was part of that early success the Bruins had in the 2010s, and then when they had that recent resurgence, he's been a part of that as well. 
I mean, it's it's, it's possible. Be, I, mean, I just it's possible he is. Uh, but the what's unfortunate is that most hockey fans don't associate him with that hall with that borderline hall of fame hall of fame kind of Kurt. Yeah. So I, I think it's going to come in high. I think the number will come in like 22 to 25, something in that range. It'll probably get moved down to something like 15 to 18, but maybe not. I don't know. Given the circumstances, we'll have to see what happens, but it's going to be big. It's going to be, you know, we're not going to see him probably again until like March or end of March, March, end of March, probably, I I think is a good bet right near the trade deadline. Right there's a the lot. Trade of, there's a lot of games between now and the trade deadline. Uh, and I mean, yeah. And if that if a suspension like this comes in, like how this affects the team, well, I mean, yeah, it's it's all gonna it, it's 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 gonna it's all right now. You, it's all you up in the raise air. you raise a crazy point. I don't think they would, but that's a crazy point to consider. If he is suspended up until the trade deadline or close to it, do they think? Do you do they think Chicago? We'll get into the Chicago in a little bit. Yeah, I'll, I'll we'll turn get- back to this because you just raised something. But let's move on. We'll know more. Uh, we'll probably yeah, talk we'll, about we'll, it a little more next time. Uh, I wanted to get in. This before- could yeah, this could still be relevant next yeah. week. Also, yeah. So let's go. W- let's dive into some other teams. Yeah. Basically, I I wanted to get into one thing very particularly. Um, one team in very particular before we did some maintenance and then just general midway all-star break over kind of thing, stretching plays is the Minnesota wild. We talked about them both the last two weeks, a little more so last week, but the thing that I think is outstanding that I don't think we even noticed is in the prior to the all-star break, they lost tonight, but it's the first game back. They won nine out of 10 games and beat some decent teams along the way. And they they've been making up games in hand. And so that's a big thing. Like they have a lot of games in hand within their division. They're in third place by one point and still have four games in hand on Nashville. So they have a pack. They don't have a pack. They have a essentially till the end of the month, till the 26th of the month, they have a game starting Friday, starting Saturday. They have a game every other day till the end of the month. And they go on a four game road trip the last week of the month, Edmonton, Ottawa, Toronto, Calgary. They go to Canada. So they, they go like they, they do go, the Alberta route and yeah. they, they go Edmonton, Edmonton and Calgary back to back, right? No, Edmonton, Ottawa, Toronto, Calgary. Just the, those a, four is uh, the last week of their, of the, of February for them. We would hope for, You'd hope for a te- most teams hope for the back to back Alberta games or back to back. I mean, they get back to back Ottawa games basically. So yeah, uh, yeah, that that yeah, that's 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 an, that's like that's that big road trip that they're yeah. um, gonna have then. But then yeah. March, they have a chock full March with a couple back to backs in it: Philly, Buffalo, and Detroit, Columbus. Not terribly difficult teams for their back to backs, but those two back to backs, the first and second week of March, are both on the road. They're both fully on the road, but outside of those four games, those two back-to-backs in the very beginning of March, it's all home games for them. Uh, in, in the second half of the season, like basically, no, 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 no. I'm saying specifically in March, literally they have four oh, okay. games. They have four games. Uh, they have a chock full March 
but they have four games in the very big in the first 11 days of March that are on the road. And then they have a total of one, like 13 or 14 home games in the March month of March. So this will be a huge thing for them to, uh, you know, to knock out. They also, they have a, Ooh, they have a scary April. <laughs> I don't want to look okay, at but, April, but, we'll, but yeah, that's like a lot. Yeah. yeah. But so th- if they can get out of this, they have, they have, you're eight, talking about this current stretch right now. Yeah. Okay. If they have, they have eight games till the end of February, right? Mm-hmm. Five, uh, five out of those eight games are on the road, including that four game road trip. If they can even, even split, I expect them to do better than split, but even if they split it and got four wins, four losses, which I expect them to do significantly better on in the last eight games of the month, they then go into March prepared to play at home, which by the way, their home statistics this year are outrageously good. Um, their differential yeah. between their home and away, their home mm-hmm. statistics are crazy good this year. Yeah, they're and one of those teams that really has that home, home ice, ice whatever ice. it is. They have that home ice advantage. Uh, they're so, I think they score like close in the upper fours, like four home. or five goals. Yeah, yeah, it's like they, four and a they, half. They've been, plus. yeah, they've been recently piling on the goals uh, in general. But yeah, I mean, except for tonight, they got shut out. But we're. Uh, the, tonight, tonight you could take out of the bell curve just for like the wild recently, like the state of the wild, basically. Yeah. Uh, and so I just I think if they can get out of this stretch here with that four game road stretch, um, splitting it, you know, kind of thing, then I think they're in great yeah. shape going into March with all those home games. They can rack up the wins and points. Um, yeah, they're they're a team. It's very interesting because at this point, they're kind the the points. I was going to say the points don't matter, which is a reference to a TV sh- uh, TV show. But the, the, at this point, they're point wise, they're in third place or tied for third with Nashville, except for they have the games in hand. Well, but they're this, tied for second with Nashville. Essentially, they're one yeah. point back in Nashville with several games. In but hand. For, for the wild piling on these wins and piling on these points really help will help them not just now, but like this is a team that really wants to get in the best position uh, possible. I think when you mentioned those games and I think they, they yeah, they should, they should win f- four or five of the next eight. Uh, they at have least. the talent. Yeah. At yeah. least my, my question is when you have back to backs, you have to play backup goaltending and I don't, or you have to play two goaltenders on a nightly, like you have to have that two goaltending stretch, like Capo Kakinen, Cam Talbot, I, it's I mean, a pretty it's, decent, you yeah. know. I know is Cam Talbot. I, I have to check if he's health, healthy or not. He did not play tonight, uh, but he's he's been on. He's he he was injured. Uh, I'm gonna. All right. So, yeah, they. You see, he was back. He, he was back against Chicago when he, they played that before the all-star break, he was back for that. Yeah. So it, it's really yeah, their goaltending duo. Is that going to, are they going to stay fresh in net to keep that streak alive, to keep that run alive? I, I think really? they'll be able to, they don't in the next eight games to end the month, they don't have a back to back, which is good. They have a couple in, uh, they have three back to backs total in March, but I, I think they'll be okay. I, I really do. 
Um, and yeah, if they can pile on these wins and this condensed second half because of missed games and stuff is good experience for the playoffs where you, you almost, you never get more than two days rest in the playoffs unless you sweep a team, right? So unless you sweep a team, you never get more than two days of rest in the playoffs. So it's very good to have a chock full. I think it can be good for a young team like Minnesota to have a chock full schedule. Well, I mean, not just not just that, but I mean, I think the one difference I will th- when I think about it is that a lot of times the Stanley Cup playoffs, you, you ride one goaltender, you pick one, and you, you kind of ride the momentum how they're playing. I don't know you, in this stretch, you're not going to do that. And then, but I was course, saying more the, for the forwards. I was saying that yeah. this for the young core of this team, it's very good for them to have a very chalk well, schedule. I think. This is also, I mean, yeah, on that note, it's going to be telling because they're about to play a lot of a lot of games in a row if that forward unit doesn't burn out by the end of it yeah. and is staying fresh. Because I think it's good team- for young teams, bad for old teams is the way I feel about the the chalk full schedule back half. Well, I mean, well, I mean, for the wild, they're a team that, yeah, you don't want to you want to stay fresh, you want to be able to continue piling on the goals, which they will, they they have the offense to do. But in this, in this, in this stretch, particularly, you want to you want this. This is a good test for a playoff run. Cause in a seven game last year they played the seven game series against Vegas. They had those back not back to backs, but they played every other night, basically. And uh, that last and, game they looked a little gassed in that game seven. Yeah. Yeah, and but until then they they look. I mean, games five and six back to back. They they that those young for the young forwards are often stepped up. I mean, yeah, it's it's really this is this is going to be a good test for 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 looking down the road, and I mean, it's also gonna it's also gonna it's also gonna help them particularly if they can continue to win these games to pile on the points. And they're a team that really is looking ahead is is really is really looking at we have a team that can potentially win the cup and. It, it, it sounds crazy to say that, but when you think about it, they have all these pieces in place. Yeah, you're thinking like if they get themselves in the right position and look like a cup team entering March, entering April, especially with this trade deadline, they might make them. They might make that one move to put them over the top because like they're in that position right now, cap wise and everything to make that one move this year. They're a team. To, they're that. Yeah, this stretch particularly is what. It, this is why like next week or so be like to watch for them basically. Yeah. So essentially to the end of February, see how they fare to the end of February. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving on, on a little bit. Um, so some teams, this not, I, I wouldn't say this month as in February, because for most teams, it's actually March where a lot of these games are being made up and they have a lot of back-to-backs. If you actually look at the schedule, yeah. Um but like the next month and a half, essentially till the trade deadline is going to be a lot of make or break, uh, make it or break it for some teams. So uh, the first one I wanted to bring up was Calgary, which has been right outside the the bubble in the Pacific. They're, I think they have a wild card spot now. I think um, they might. It, it's one. Either yes, way. They, yeah, they're they, basically. Yeah, they're on the bubble. They're in the sixth spot, uh, eighth spot right now in the wild card. But here's the thing. They look. They have a lot of games to make. Yeah. So for the Kings in Anaheim, Kings 47 games and Anaheim 48 games played. Yeah. I think we mentioned before, like last week, the Ducks, the Ducks have all the games in hand because they never had like any, any like 
any like yeah. <laughs> outbreak, any issue. They just say they have like 48 games or 49 games. They basically 40, one of those yeah. teams that's just way, way ahead in the schedule, way ahead of the schedule. So yeah, the, with the flames though. Yeah. So Calgary has all these games in hand and they still have one of the league's best, one of the league's best point differentials at 32 Anaheim's point differential is four and the Kings point differential is six. They are playing with a very low margin for error, which is essentially what that means. The point differential means you're winning close games, but every game is close. And that generally doesn't bode well uh, long term. And so, I mean, or I mean, to be fair, also, they're not the type of team that's going to run up the score. I mean, they did. They did. One, one the last time we recorded, they actually did run up the score. So kind of saying this, yeah, thing. but they basically, they're not a team that's going to, they're going to win two to one and that's not going to give them a great goal differential or they'll win three to one, Who? which, which is not Anaheim like, or LA. No, um, oh, we're talking about, we're talking about the flames now. Yeah. I, no, the flames yeah. have a phenomenal goal differential. They oh, are right. plus 32. Okay. I was saying in you comparison to the Kings okay. and Anaheim who have a very small goal differential very small margin for error the flames actually have one of the best goal differentials in the league at 32 i it's i'm pretty sure it's top five uh minnesota is better toronto and florida are better but uh and then okay pittsburgh's better that's it i think i think with the those four so the other four teams you mentioned i think all them are scoring over 3.5 or 3.4 goals per game Except for I think the Flames might not be. So the flame, the Flames actually, in that sense, are the outlier. But they have a great defense to make up yeah. for. They're, I think, and they're, so, they're only allowing like 2.4 goals per game, 2.5. Yeah. So making up all these games, I'm assuming a lot of it's going to come in. Mar- uh, they, they have a, they are one of the teams that have a lot of games in February. They've got a back-to-back starting tomorrow night with Vegas and uh, Toronto. Then they have a back-to-back next week with Columbus and Anaheim. And then, so most of these games, it's good is at home for them, which is good. But they also have, they have a really packed, until the deadline, trade deadline of the 21st, they have a really packed schedule. So if they can take up the number two or three spot within the Pacific prior to the deadline, I think you're good. If they don't, do you think well, they're not they, se- they're not selling? You don't. I, I think I, I, this, this is something interesting because I thought before the season the perfect player to, that they have to trade away if the season falls flat is Johnny Gaudreau, who is I believe a pending free agent at the end of the year. And and there's plenty of teams that yeah will want a forward who can who, a, a speed forward who has that speed has that scoring ability, but they're they're competitive and with Daryl with Suter at the helm. Uh, they're going to they're they're built to compete, and they and I think what's interesting about the Flames they were one of Jack Eichel went to Vegas. They were the team, the other team that had a deal in place, but the Sabers chose to go to make the deal with Vegas. So I don't. So I mean, they're going to remain. They're going to remain if they're in the playoff race, which they look yeah. to be, especially with the games in hand. They're going to remain. They're going to try to remain competitive. I don't know if they make the, a blockbuster deal per se. I, uh, I was saying whether, as long as they don't fall flat in the next until then. I'm saying so. Yeah. If they fall flat and they lose a good chunk of these games, and I mean they end up clearly, distinctly the four. 
they they might make a decision on Johnny Gaudreau. Granted, he's having a great year. He's uh, number three in goals, two behind uh, Mangiapane and probably Kachuk, I think. Yeah, and Kachuk, who have both have yeah. 20. And he leads the team by 11 assists, 36 to, to uh, Kachuk's uh, 25. So he he he's having a very good season right now. And so... I definitely think that's a team that's got has a big, big time coming up until the trade deadline to show was last year really just an aberration because of the way everything was with the North division and everything like that. I think part of what they have to keep in mind from last year is that they did overwork Mark Markstrom, Jacob Markstrom in that shortened season. They started him a lot of games in a row and he did fall off. So I think something they have to, they will have to keep in mind is to give him those nights off, even if they don't want to, because a lot of players talk about the a goal, especially goaltenders talk about whether it's a back-to-back or just the second night in a row, whether they play on a Thursday night and then they have to play on a Saturday night or they play on a Friday night and they have to play Sunday afternoon. That set like that second game, like goaltend, you don't want to overwork Markstrom, especially since he's that he's the goaltender yeah. that will so, that will keep them competitive. So the good thing so that, here is the good thing is here looking at their back-to-backs, right? A lot of their back-to-backs are um apologies a lot of their back-to-backs come with an extra day an extra couple days afterward right um not uh not to not this one this week they've got vegas toronto a day off and then new york but then they get two days off and the following usually you get two days off after a back-to-back so if you start markstrom let's just take next week's one for example on Tuesday against Columbus, even though they probably will have him start against Anaheim. Well, Columbus has been playing pretty well recently, but still, if you have him start Either the way. first game, if you have him start the first game of the back-to-back, though, that gives them three days of rest, and that actually yeah. can break it up. Even if you have a competent guy you can put in for that second back-to-back, you give him an extra day of rest. Even if they're not, you know, even if your team as a whole is whatever, you can keep that goalie fresh if you know how to uh, deal with that. And if you don't have to pull your goalie in any of those second games, because that is a toll that takes on goalies that I don't think people understand. If your team is getting beat badly and you have to pull the goalie in the second period at some point. That is more exhausting than if they would have known they were going to start both games of the back-to-back because they were not prepped to play. Yes, obviously, they're always yeah. ready. And but- I think I think this stretch particularly, we're going to see which teams, because a lot of teams have these uh, con- this condensed schedule, at least in February for, for some teams, you're going to see which teams, how the teams use their goaltenders. You're going to see some nights. And I think the Flames are a good example. You're, I think their backup is Dan Vladar, I think. Uh, would have to look that up, but uh, off the time of my head, I think that's he was their backup. Uh, you're going to have to start him. Like, whether it's against the Ducks or whether it's against the Blue Jackets, you're, there's going to be those nights where if they started Markstrom, it would seem like, oh, yeah, easy win. Markstrom could put uh, a lot, will allow one goal or potentially put together a shutout. But you need to start him because the, the this... Because you can't overwork, you can't overwork him, and a lot of teams are going to have this, have this, have this issue. Uh, I think, I mean, another example, like, like 
I think Florida has a lot of games in hand, but they're on the on the opposite end. They Sergey Bavrovsky's their start their starting goaltender. You can't. Uh, Florida you can't actually over, has over, played a lot of games. They don't have many. Yeah, games. I mean, I meant like they've played. They're one of those teams that played a lot of games. Them, the Ducks, like they're they're the Panthers have played a lot of games, but for them also, like over you don't want to overwork Sergey Bavrovsky. They've been trying the whole season to get a backup. It's like another. They're yeah. another example, I guess. But they don't. They don't have a. Um, they might make a move at the trade deadline for a serviceable yeah. backup, but they, unlike some other teams, don't have a huge backlog of games because they have played yeah. more than fifty percent of the games prior to the All Star break. And that is good for them because it means they won't yeah. be shackled with a lot of these extra games. So, yeah, and I mean, there, I mean, there, but there's a lot of teams. This is part of what I'm thinking about. A lot of these teams, one that really, I mean, one that really stood out is because I was watching them tonight is the Winnipeg Jets in terms of you have a goaltender, you have a clear number one, Connor Hellebuck's your number one. You want to start ideally like on a nightly basis. They have a lot of games to make up. But you can't, and you kind of want to start him. You want to start him every night, but you don't want to overwork. You can't overwork him. And they're they're going to have those. They're going to have to play a lot of games, and they're a type of team that's going to make that that big push. And they're they like that's why. And for them, that, that makes this month like a big month, basically. Uh, with that in mind, I mean, it, it, a lot of these teams. I'm just thinking about. It's like, you ha- even if you have a number one, you're going to have to start these backups for these. Yeah, for these bad nights. So Definitely. I mean, so that's basically that part. So wh- what team would you say that we're not really looking that most people aren't really looking at that you could see whether it be because they have a lighter schedule or they are mm-hmm. favorable to deal with the heavier schedule could um, supr- make, make a surprise run. playoff run that is not currently in the playoffs. So, I mean, the Jets, I just brought up there that they're, they're that example of a team that has a lot of games in hand as except for that, uh, the problem I just mentioned that they're, they're going to, they're going to have to deal. They're going to have to deal with um, starting their backup, which I believe is Eric Comrie this year. So like they're, they're a team that they're a team that stand that comes to mind uh, that ha- has that backlog of games. They're also in the tougher division out of the two divisions yeah. in the West because they've got Colorado, Minnesota, then St. Louis think- and Nashville uh, and then below them, but above uh, below St. Louis, but above Winnipeg, who has the same number of games played is Dallas. They actually have three point there, three points ahead of them, but have the same number of games played. And I think the stars have the be- same number of points as the as the Jets. No, so no stars they, have more points than the Jets. They have three more points than the Jets, but the same number okay. of games played at 43. Yeah. And so I was actually going to go the other way because of what you said of the issue of their goaltending. I don't know if they'll be able to hang on and make that playoff push how far behind they are right now. They're 13 points be- right now behind Minnesota, who's at number three. They are... 14 points behind and Minnesota actually technically has a game in hand on them, but they, so I think it's going to be hard for them with St. Louis and Dallas to actually make this push because both St. Louis and Dallas also have a bunch of games in hand. They have 43 games and 44 games, Dallas and St. Louis respectively. And I actually think Dallas is more poised to make that late run and maybe overtake St. Louis 
um, I, for that I playoff think, spot. In terms of make or break month, for the Jets, it, this is. What makes it difficult for the Jets, I think, is that is that it's hard for them to really sell just on their current situation. It's hard for them to make those moves. But yeah, the, I mean, the, the star, the stars are, the stars are on that note in the central division. You're looking at there. You're looking at after that, after the wild and avalanche, really, you're looking at yeah. that middle group, but the stars are that the stars are that team. But I mean, I, I don't Nashville, they, St. Louis and Dallas. Two of those teams are probably going to make the playoffs. I think Dallas yeah. is going to be the one that makes the push uh, and probably takes out either Nashville or St. Louis. I mean, they're the team that has the ability to make up these games. Yeah. The question is, is do you look at if you look at you look at their forward unit, you look at their defensive unit, do you really see do you really see like this team making that push and, and making that rebound? I think goaltending with uh, Jake Odinger and uh Holt, Holt I think Holtby is been has been in the lineup. I don't think he's been I might have to uh he's been a, he's been he's been a big impact goaltender this season but um odinger's been there is projected to be their starter for uh the upcoming stretch but they're going to probably rotate between goaltenders but they're but i mean outside of goaltending duo like i don't i they're i don't like really any of their units they're a team they're a team that really looks they're they're a team that that could make that run i just i just don't see it i don't don't know where where it's coming from honestly where is it coming from Honestly, I, I don't know, but we've seen this before where teams like you don't really know where things are coming from, but they just get it done kind of thing. And here's one thing to note next week by next Wednesday, we'll know for sure because they don't have a super heavy February. They've got a crazy March, pretty much all they have the exact opposite March as Minnesota, where Minnesota plays four road games and all home games. Dallas plays only four home games in March and a crap ton of uh, road games, but not many back-to-backs. They get lucky. Their March is chock full, but not many back-to-backs. The issue is the next four games for them. And even more so to the end of the, to the end of the month, Nashville playoff position right now, Winnipeg, Colorado. Those are all at home, right? Two days later, they then have to play Colorado again. They play not a back-to-back against Colorado both times, but it's one-day break. Colorado at home, day off, Colorado in Colorado. So this next week is literally they play Colorado for the second time next Wednesday, next Tuesday night. And so that's going to be a very very tough uh, stretch. If they can split those games, they're in great position. Um if they split the games with Colorado and either beat Nashville and beat Nashville more preferably, but then at the end of the month, they play a home and away uh, back to back with Winnipeg and Nashville again. So if they can come out of this, uh, those six games, uh, those six games with three or four wins, they're in great position. I think they have, they have the pieces I mean, they, they they have the ability to make that run since like they have the games in hand and they have the schedule to it because these teams are playing each other. They have the ability to make up these games. It's just that I don't see last year. Nashville made this run where they had you say sorrows playing at an elite level and just they carried that and their defense helped out. So they carried that to their to a playoff spot. You look at 
Winnipeg, I guess their top line and their uh their they have a good defensive unit, not a great one. And then Connor Hellebuck, maybe like that gives gives them that edge. With the stars, I mean Honestly, Can that's you, the issue it, it, we had there, with Winnipeg there, last year is we didn't see the offense. They still made the playoffs and they played fis- physical, but we didn't see the offense with Winnipeg last year, and it proved us right ultimately. But no, so I, I don't know. I They don't have the huge star offensive yeah. player. They don't have the Norris Trophy candidate defenseman, but they seem to I mean, work well that. together. Can, like, can, can you name – I mean – it, 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 I can't after their top three defensemen, it's really, it, it's harder to name that fourth defenseman on their team and their fifth defenseman after, after Miro Heiskanen, Essel Lindell, Ryan Suter, Ryan Suter, who they got from the stars who's ended up ironically has been their best defenseman. They actually, like, after who are you talking they, about the stars or Winnipeg? The stars, like after, right. after for, for their defense, like their defense, their defense has been, uh, they're allowing th- over three goals per game. Uh, so they're at like that lo- border. They're at their borderline. Like, okay, is their defense? That's defensively in their goal. But tending. their offense but- has actually been pretty good. I didn't know this. They've got they've got five guys over ten goals. They've got one guy yeah, over but- twenty, and Pavelski is one shy of twenty. But after um, that is when it falls off. That's no. that's what that's what look with the stars is after Mira Heiskanen for for the def- for their. For their scoring for their scoring lines, it's basically you have Joe Pavelski, uh, Rope Hens, you have uh, what's his name Robertson uh, at uh, Jason Robertson, goals. Tyler Say and Tyler Sagan, Sagan and Jamie Ben. Yeah, you have like you have those five, but that's after, a, that's, after that, that's that's, a, that's pretty decent. If at this point in the year, it's a good it's got, a good top you've got, two. You've it gives you good top two lines. Doesn't give you f- four, which is you don't need four I, score. You don't need four scoring lines full of guys over ten goals, because ten goals at this point of the year essentially equates to, especially because they have those games in hand. They're essentially at halfway through the season. That equates to five guys over twenty goals. If you have a team that has five guys over twenty goals, your offense is actually in pretty good shape. I mean, but statistically, then, no, but, I mean, but, but after, but after that, you have those skaters that are scoring like five or four, which is like that's a huge f- drop off. That's, but that's fine. If they score five, they, if they have like five or four and they end with 10, that is okay. In the fact that you have five guys hitting more than likely going to hit over 20 and you're, you might have a 40 goal scorer. And so when you actually look historically teams that have four or more 20 plus goal scorers in a full 82 game season. Um, they generally make the playoffs and they generally make it past the first round. Um, historically, I did I the mean, numbers on this last year for a team. I can't remember which team, but so it, that's the thing you generally do when you have those five guys who are going to probably hit over 20, you have a little bit of drop off, but I actually, I actually think they're in pretty good shape offensively. Now your points about the defense are not wrong. They have a very middling defense. I mean, that, that was their, that was their strength last season. I, that's what's interesting is that Ryan Suter, who they brought in has ironically been their best defenseman. Uh, I think leads the team in defensive point shares. If you follow subscribe to that, but he's also like been there. I get you like people like say leader, but he's led the unit. He's been like one of their leading defensemen. Mira Haskinen, Esselindel, but after that, it, 
it really, it really falls off. And I mean, but if if they had Ben Bishop in his prime years, which was back in a few years ago, then it's you, you'd have more confidence. But their their goaltending duo is going to keep them in this race. But uh, I don't. But yeah, their defensive unit, they back into their forward unit, like the third and fourth line. Uh, it's it's the, the that's where that's where I yeah, but that's also why that run. that's also why they're my dark horse though, and I think they but I do think they have a better offense than Winnipeg, and I think that's a big deal. Now, um, we're gonna move on to uh some trade talk. We talked a little bit about it last week. Mark Andre Fleury, Patrick Kane. Do either of them get dealt? Do both of them get dealt? who to where what are your thoughts yeah i think yeah we discussed this briefly but this is this is definitely going to be the the talking point with or surrounding chicago is who they sell i think flurry is is on the move whether it's whether it's the oilers whether it's um somehow somehow pittsburgh wants to make that move i i don't think the, there's i don't think pittsburgh needs it i mean they're Casey DeSmith is having a down year, but like maybe but the, Jari's the having a phenomenal Jari's having a great year. So maybe that maybe uh, it's, it's a, good, a large contract. See that it's a large contract. I mentioned that's but there, but their teams are teams are going to call for flurry. He's going to probably be, in my opinion, I think he's the first one dealt in the sense, like he's, he's the one that he's the one that's going to be moved between, uh, between Fleury and Kane Kane whether it's at the end of the season or the trade deadline, he's going, he's going, it's going to be a much harder move to make because just because yeah, one, he's the franchise piece and two, they're going to want to know the stability in the front office and what the direction of the team is heading, which is going to be in a rebuild, but they're going to want to know beforehand before they make a blockbuster move with Patrick Kane. But yeah, flurry, flurry teams are calling about both, but uh, yeah. flurry I think could be moved, but even before the deadline, like a few so, weeks before, just he wants to get him in. I disagree with the two teams you mentioned. Um, well, Oilers, admin- are, Oilers have called for goaltending. That's yeah. that's that's true. Yes, but they don't have the money, and that's a big thing. They would have to move a significant salary to uh, to get flurry because flurry has a big contract. He's got a big fiscal responsibility unless they could get Chicago to hold a good chunk of the contract for the year. Yeah. It's going to be hard for Edmonton to well, get him. Now, I if think Edmonton they could gets do, him, they could do what scary. the Islanders did. They could do what the Islanders did last year, which is where they, when they acquired Paul Mary and Travis, Travis Ajak. And a lot of teams then followed in this, in this light where you have, you get a third party involved to eat up, the eat up, you eat, eat, eats up cap takes on late draft picks. And then you, uh, and then flurry joins. It would be it would it, it's a lot of like thought, like to think of like which team would be involved. Like I you you'd think like a team like the Red Wings or the Sabers maybe would like take on cap hit, take on cap space. I don't yeah, know. If, I, I, I don't. Checked. I don't. I don't like speculating then, about that generally though. But like, I mean, they're they're a team. But they're a team that's that's inquired. I know, like the Oilers, for example. They they're a team that's uh, heavily interested in Semyon Farlamov. That's a like an, a goaltender, for example. But Flurry, yeah, Flurry, they're 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 gonna they if they have the ability to move around, whether it's move around cap, move around draft picks to get Flurry, they're gonna make the move. 
And I mean, teams are going to, te- yeah, Fleur, but I, yeah, there's going to be a lot of teams interested in both, but I think Fleur is the one that's going to be moved first. Uh, that's what, so on that note, but I mean, yeah, I'm kind of rambling here. Yeah. So, yeah, it's possible. I am, um, I, I definitely think it's possible. I'm just not 100% sure that. I, I don't know. I don't like to speculate about those third party issues. When I think yeah. trades, I like to just talk about, you know, do they have the money as is to make that deal? It is possible, but they might have to give up a player that they can't afford to lose to do so. And so impact wise, I don't know. That's the issue when you try when you're so close to the cap and you try and make a big move, yeah. you have to give up big pieces, which destabilizes the other part of the team. So uh, we'll see. I definitely think Flurry's the one on the move. Kane yeah. will probably where, be in the where off do you think where, where do you think? So, I mean, where do you think Flurry, if not for Edmonton, not for Pittsburgh, I, you, Who, where do you think Flurry would, would acquire him? Where I, we would go? This is just because I'm ignorant as to who they have as goaltender for some reason. Who does Toronto have as their goaltender? They have a goaltending duo of Jack, Jack Campbell, who's actually having a very good season, and Peter Morazic. They they've rotated. Through. They're not gonna. They they're one of the teams that wouldn't. Uh, that I don't. Think I don't know. I think they're in win now mode. I think they're in yeah. win now mode, and it's kind of a. It's kind because we've talked about this. I think they're in a win now mode, and it's kind of a. You know, Flurry has the ability to take you through the playoffs. True, but they're of all the needs, that's like actually one of the fewest of needs for them. They're they're one of the teams that if you look at what like what they need or what they're gonna try to acquire, it's depth on the forward unit there because they've just had the issues ever so I mean, really because because you're committing a lot of cap to four players, they just have issues on the back end of their for the later lines of the forward unit. So they're they're always that team that will might acquire someone there and they're Otherwise, otherwise it they'll they'll try to get more. I the, it's really a finisher on the back end and a puck mover on the on the on the top line. But maybe I mean, maybe yeah. I'm just I just think that's an interesting place to because they're a desperate team in decent position right now. Um, I mean, which teams which teams are competitive and need and need that goaltender aside from the Oilers, like. You would say what you would say Washington, but the issue is I feel Washington has the same issue as Edmonton is their cap strapped significantly. Now they could move off of someone like uh, Lars Eller. Uh, If that were something to be done, you could move off someone like Lars Eller to move in uh, flurry. I think it's very possible. Um, But I want possible. There's the possible LTIR sort of maneuver, which uh, is also up. In the, and that's not just a maneuver, but like if a player gets injured in the next few weeks, we're all well, it's not even injured. Team. It's Oshi. Oshi's been on IR on IR for a little while, and they could probably do something like that. I don't know their current cap numbers because of all the injuries they've had this year. Yeah. But both Manth- Mantha is clearly on long term IR. He's been out since essentially the first week of the season, and. Oh, she's been out a couple weeks now. And so what you could definitely see, you could maybe see them pull that move. I don't see them pulling that move, but 
what I could see happening yeah. is a move because I said they have a they have a bunch of good young centers who now that their center core because well, their centers were in and out with Backstrom out, but now that all it- four centers are back. You have the issue of you have a bunch of young centers not playing center, playing wing, and you could get rid of Eller. He hasn't looked great. But I mean, it's interesting you mentioned Flurry in the Capitals because there have been, oh, through trade rumors, that they have been one of the teams that have been linked to acquire. To the question is, to will Flurry. Flurry will Flurry waive the trade waiver for Washington? And I don't know if he will. That and the cap issue is something I. Uh, even though it's not unheard of, there are plenty of players that have played for both Pittsburgh and Washington. And I don't just mean from like, oh, he goes to one team, then the next team, then comes one. There have been a lot of players that have gone back and forth. Matt Niskanen literally played for both teams twice. Uh, um, Brooks Orpik did. Uh, well, played. Justin, I think Justin Schultz is on. Schultz on, also. Uh, yeah. But Brooks Orpik did it. it. It's not unheard of for the players to go from one to one. So it, it just depends on Flurry's machinations about it, and well, it depends on Cap. I don't know. I don't know if yeah. I don't know what his feelings about that are. But uh, he, I think also he's a pending. He's a he's a pending free agent. So like, yeah. I think uh, you move. So one. I mean, he, you move. You move if he if to move him, which why he makes sense to be moved in the first place. Here's, but to move him. It makes sense because he's a free agent at the end of the year. He'll yeah, just sign and, somewhere. And they have an older, they have an older core. Yeah. And here's here's something to think about though. And I've talked about this over the last year and a half is the kind of style that the Capitals goaltending duo have are vastly opposed to each other. You have Vanacek, who is very much a more an angles guy, and he won't make the spectacular play, but he generally gives you pretty decent play. Yeah. Samsonov oh, yeah. is a rough and unpolished guy who plays a lot like Mark Andre Fleury. By the, Imagine by the way, also, a team, a team that there's actually two teams that uh, that come to mind with Fleury. That one because of the news that came out today with uh, the Bruins, Tuka Rask. They're a team that just keep in mind they could be in the hunt for a goaltender now. Because whether they trust Swayman enough or Linus Olmark. Sorry, what happened with Rask? I would... uh, he he said he's not coming. Like he, I think it was on, he, he was injured uh, recently. But he basically the news coming out today was that he's not making a return. He's basically unofficially, officially like retiring. He's not. He's not going to be so part maybe. of the roster. All right, maybe they're, but... they're one, and then and then there's the just imagine if the avalanche find a way to like juggle the cap to like Ooh. make that move. <laughs> that's, that's like you're not that's wrong. Of me being you're not that's wrong. more that's more me being that's more me being like just imagine like that's more of a lightning type of move. Like if the if the cap if the avalanche find a way to create cap space <laughs> to make the move. To bring in Flurry, like they'll be uh, what they—they're winning they, the they, cup. If if they bring in Flurry, they win the cup. <laughs> I I, I, I will bet all and, my money on it. <laughs> I think him and Dar- him and Darcy Kemper, uh, like so, just uh, yeah, just, but, it, 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 they'd find a way to they'd find a way to make it happen. Uh, maybe, <laughs> and then they, all of a sudden, just I mean, they're the team that it's like they're the team. There's a lot of teams that are calling for Flurry. I mean, not a lot a of them different can thing. realistically. 
though. Patrick, came, Patrick came, people are thinking of it for like long-term, like we could win this year, potentially if we trade at the deadline, but next year, if we could build a re- we could win a cup with Kane on it, All but right. flurry, a lot of teams are calling for flurry, but the team that like, it would be a, just imagine if they made that move would be like yeah. the avalanche at the deadline, finding a way to like juggle the cap, get so, a third party involved and then make that. So, so yeah. here, here's one thing I just wanted to finish off. If you gave Marc-Andre Fleury to the end of the season with Washington, Samsonov can learn from him of how to temper that uh, athleticism whenever, be a little more technical. But here's the other thing that could do. If you trade Vanacek and let's say Eller and some draft pick or whatever to Chicago, Chicago, Vanacek's not bad. And having a young goaltender who's serviceable you know, kind of thing. That's something they could push. Flurry's not as many pieces, but in the big picture, you look at the way Chicago's roster is built. I mean, this is also why they're going to wait to see which kind of general manager they bring in. Because one of the guys, one of the people that was discussed, because on a one of our podcasts, we discussed the Hurricanes general manager, how, yeah, why nobody. Talk. So one of the people the Blackhawks have dis- uh, discussed bringing in is one of the scouts for the AHL affiliate. I think the Rock, Rockford team, the or the Chicago Wolves. That's the team that their scout, the Chicago Wolves scout or Chicago Wolves GM is going to as the general manager for the Blackhawks. Now he's a guy who specializes in development. So if the, he comes in, what what is Chicago is probably going to ask for draft picks, ask for prospects and younger players. Think, yeah, if their specialty is because if his specialty is in development, that's where they're that's where you're starting to look into what they kind of want to want to make a move for. So yeah, and I I think it's interesting, but we'll see what happens. Um, moving on, uh, we're kind of running out of time here. Yeah. Uh, one thing we want I, we wanted to talk about just because it's the mid season break was uh, the TNT and ESPN, their contracts, and how we think that's been going. I think we mentioned in our yeah. first uh, episode back, we mentioned it a little bit, but we're going to get into probably a little bit here. Like, there is there is NHL on TNT probably a bit, but, but yeah, I think, yeah, you, you want to start, I guess, like, yeah. what, what do you what do you think about uh both the TNT broadcast and the ESPN broadcast and just so being ESPN ESPN is the a block contract, right? They have the pro mm-hmm. the predominant number of the games they have, whatever. Here's the kicker though. And it's why I talked about the influx of fans mm-hmm. this year is they've done away with NHL center ice essentially, which was horribly managed because you buy it on your TV. Mm -hmm. You can't always connect on your phone. You buy it on your phone. You don't have it on your TV. It it was a very big juggled mess. And what they've done now, because ESPN has the contract is all out of market games. If you have ESPN plus, which a lot of people have because of the Disney bundle, just because of the, you know, the Disney bundle with Disney plus ESPN and Hulu, they have it. This has, has, you know, if people are scrolling, they're sports fans, they're scrolling, they're watching. Oh, cool. Hockey. Let me just turn it on kind of thing. It has actually, and we've seen viewership numbers, especially from the ESPN plus side that then have translated yeah. throughout the year the only, into significantly higher viewership. The ESPN plus note, the only negative has been the people who don't have ESPN plus who are fans 
of their local team that are blacked out at their local market that 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 has no been you just you a can, big negative response you can you can still you can still watch it on your local channels um uh yeah no, no that not the games. There are a lot of games that oh. are exclusively. Shown. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's the, because that's the big thing. That's because that's how they're doing their nationally televised games because they don't actually play okay. as many games on ESPN, the TV channel, but yeah. it is, it is like, it is like uh, in previous years, the games that were on NBCSN that didn't get that you would have blacked out on the nhl.tv the nhl.tv service you wouldn't be able to watch it on there because it was a nationally televised game it's the same total number of nationally televised games it's just a lot of them are through the hockey night on espn plus and what it has done yeah. it has brought people it has allowed people who already had it to get rid of their nhl plus tv and people who had that to transition for mind you cheaper and it, it really has brought an influx of fans from, uh, I mean, within the I states. Just, I just know like a lot of it, they're going to st- there a lot of fans that are true fans that are going to stick with the game anyway and stick with their teams anyway, especially in big market areas that like have their local teams, whether it's like for Boston and any at Nesson or for New York, it's MSG or Washington, NBC, whatever. Basically, they have their local team, yeah. they have their local channels, but then the, you get those teams particularly have been on exclusive ESPN Plus games. And I, 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 know, I can tell you I know you, firsthand I can, a lot of them have been frustrated with that. I, like just I, that I can block, tell you they're being blocked out. I can tell you Boston and Washington have played a vast majority of their games mm-hmm. on their local channels. Um and, and the way you can tell this, if you have ESPN Plus, is when you go to it, if you're able to choose which broadcast you want, essentially, let's say the Capitals in Boston are playing, you can choose the Capitals broadcast or the Washington podcast uh, uh, broadcast, which, by the broadcast. way, is a great thing that you're able to choose your local uh, your yeah. local broadcast if you want to. And what it does, and most of the games are actually not exclusive. They have... They don't have an exclusive yeah. game every I think night. With the ESPN Plus, I think it's good for people who will not just live away from their from their the team that they root for, but just team for player for for fans that want to watch like the league as a whole. Whether, but it's also I, really I, good for out of market fans. It's a yeah. it's a much better system for out of market which I think, fans. Which I think. I think the NHL is thinking like we'll we'll show the game on a national level in the sense like fan hockey fans in general will just watch the best game on TV, which is true to true to I think it's true, but also at the same time there are there are those local fans that will just just want to watch their 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 team and then and watch they like have, national games and they have that the ability and they they do have that ability and it's it was something that wasn't yeah. a thing that you could do in the past with any with uh with when things were on if you didn't pay for uh certain sports packages on tv you couldn't watch a lot of those games if your team was a team that was nationally televised a good amount um and now and now it's well, more of a yeah. it, it's more I don't of a know workable didn't thing. have nbc i don't know how many people not didn't have NBC. nbcsn it, it it is nbcsn 
Yeah, it's not as common as that's why they cut it because people weren't paying for yeah. it. NBCSN is no longer a channel because they cut it because people weren't well, paying yeah, for NBCSN. Uh, that's just a sad, decl- uh, a sad downfall of a uh, ESPN. Yes, NBCSN does not exist anymore. And I just realized I realized that, and I'm, I whatever. I just been thinking about it a lot. Just just me on a tangent. Not a lot of it. Had, a lot of but, that has moved to their USA Network, which is also owned by NBC. yeah. And then you and then and then you have the you have the you have the TNT broadcast also, which I mean, uh, I, so I like ESPN, it. I think it's interesting. I think the Gretzky broadcast but I mean, or whatever on the ESPN, TNT. ESPN note. Well, my last ESPN note is the more games that are going to be shown on regular on regular ESPN, especially once they get to the finals and ABC, then we really get a true evaluation of like. Then I think hockey fans in general will get will get to see what ESPN is going to offer as their gold standard for broadcasting. Yeah, but but with TNT, I guess yeah. What do you think? What do you think? What are your what do you think about it? I I I've, I've only because I have a lot of interesting takes. I've on only it. seen a couple games on it um, on the TNT broadcast. Uh, mm-hmm. I wish there would be a couple more. I think it's I I don't I'm not. That's the one part of this whole contract I'm not a huge fan of is the way those nationally televised games are broken up a little bit. There should be a TNT yeah. broadcast every night, and there should be. Or every other night, or I whatever. Think, I think for them, they, it's more the like they once a week. They they get Wednesday nights. Uh, the whole complication is that they get Wednesday nights, and they honestly, I mean, I don't know what's going on. In, I don't know why don't, they don't do fr- uh, Friday nights to start doing Sunday Sunday afternoons. They probably maybe later in the season they will, but Thursday and Tuesday are NBA nights, so they they kind of yeah. just get, the NHL gets bumped for the, bumped for that, but. The, I mean, but they get Wednesday nights right now. But and, I do actually yeah. like their broadcast team. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a fan of their broadcast team. I love the fact that Gretzky is, is you get to hear Gretzky's insight. You, he's, yeah. it's not like in football where we've seen over the last couple of years a lot of players retiring and going into a broadcast booth and absolutely bombing. Uh, I actually think well, he's some very, do, some do and some don't. But yeah, um, but yeah. I think Gretzky. It is real fun to talk about. He's not an uptight stickler about the his, uh, you know, that he's the greatest or whatever. He's a fairly humble guy, and he's they'll really like, insightful. They like joke about him. Be- they like joke about him being the greatest. To be like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not the greatest. Mario yeah. Lemieux's better, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> or yeah, like it's, and and he's very insightful, and I and I really enjoy the makeup yeah. of that team. I think they did a phenomenal job putting that team together. And I think you're right. I also I, I think that as the season moves along, I do believe because I remember when the the contract was made or whatever. I looked into this. I think mm-hmm. they will be having a couple more games a little more frequently as the back half of the season rolls around. It's actually interesting is for me is you mentioned their team and I initially did not like their the team they put together. It felt like it felt too they were trying to have too much fun and trying to like bring it uh bring in the hockey sticks and like trying to shoot around in the studio and it felt like it felt very much like they were trying to like uh they weren't really talking about the more I watch TNT and this is why this is why I'm become, I'm becoming a big fan of them. You realize how flexible they are in their broadcasting. When, when, for example, when the news when the news gets serious, they know how to get. They know they know they have the pieces in place. Liam McHugh and uh, Anza Carter, Rick Tockett, Tockett, uh, Wayne Gretzky. They all know that's basically their team. Paul Bizanet come is also on that team, so it's basically five that they rotate. But 
they know they when they need to get serious, they get serious. When they need to get analytical about the game or thoughtful about like, okay, how is this team winning or what is this team? Why is this team so good? All of a sudden, they're like, okay, this this team has a good defense or this team has a good goaltending or whatever. They know they they're all of a sudden talking talking about it. And then they the the other part yeah, that they're they still has they know how to have fun. They, they don't drown. They, how- they don't drown new fans and they don't drown even people who yeah. like the stats like me. I love that but they don't drown you in it. It's not nonstop talk about that. They throw it in when it's night, when there's a good point to do it. They're knowledgeable about the game. And they also, they have a little bit of levity. And I think that is very good. And I'm, I'm much, I, even though I was okay with the NBCSN broadcast and it was okay here and there, it, it, it was, it was okay. It wasn't like, I think any great thing. And I really enjoy the TNT broadcast. NBC was good, but it felt like you it felt like your your pregame postgame particularly felt like you were watching the news, which TNT well, has shifted away from they're more of a they're more of a they're more their atmosphere is more of a sports show where like you have you have the ability to like talk talk about just like oh how because they've uh, been doing the NBA for years. Yeah. They've been doing the NBA for years. So they knew how to set yeah. it up. NBC. I never really watched the post uh, pre or post game. I the intermissions though. That's a big mm-hmm. thing. NBCSN. I didn't really care for the intermissions unless there was a particular thing that it's happened. Basically in a the, period. It's the same as the. It's the same as the intermissions were the same yeah. as the pre and post game. So I NBC. I was not a fan of the intermissions usually, even though I liked the people. I didn't really like the mesh of it all. And unless there was a particular thing I knew was going to be talked about that I wanted to hear, I would mute things during the intermission and just hang out on my phone and wait for it to come back and unmute it. Yeah, yeah. Because, but I don't do that with TNT though. I enjoy on that, yeah, like on that to- note. It used to be I would mute or leave the room for. T- for intermissions or basically do work or whatever. Now I like look forward to the intermission. If it's a, if it's a tire fire of a game, like what the wild <laughs> last week won five to one or five, nothing against, against Chicago. Chicago. It was five. Nothing. And even, even for the, inter- the intermissions were the thing to look forward to. Cause it's like, Oh, they're still going to make this a, a good time. Uh, whether you're a casual hockey fan, intense hockey fan, whatever. And I think that's, and that on that note, I think the NHL for as much, Criticism is Gary Bettman gets and probably deserves and as much flack. I don't know. The- he deserves flack for some stuff. I still hold he had the the NHL had the best original coming back from not last year. Last year's 56 well, yeah. season was that. I mean, their initial comeback for their bubble and for whatever was, I think, one of the best orchestrated things out of all sports. But I mean, like, yeah, but even but even but there's a lot of times fans and i also for other reasons will be upset of it but in the end like th- this was the tnt getting on tnt it just helped and then we'll see when a when abc and once the playoffs heat up we'll see what it will really be like better for to see how how much better abc and espn are and i guess with that like uh we'll wrap up any anything else to cl- anything else to close or uh Nope. I guess, I'm um, guess. looking forward All to right. the back end of uh, the back end of the yeah. season, and we'll uh, see you next week. We'll see you next week. Uh, thank you for tuning in.